Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this special episode of Freely Dicey. Uh, this is Manny, and I am here with... Chris Lackey. And Mike Mason. <laughs> and today, we're going to talk about um, the newest uh, Call of Cthulhu book from Chaosium that's coming out on Halloween, uh, Cults of Cthulhu. Very intrigued about this. Uh, personally, myself, I cults and um, uh, different denominations has always intrigued me. Um, so first things first, uh, and you could have gone in any direction when it comes to uh, Cthulhu in, in terms of uh, theme and, and setting and, and time. Um, why cults of Cthulhu? Well, I think uh, going back to the original work, uh, Cthulhu is the primary, I mean, it's the names in the, in the game for crying out loud. So it's, you know, the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Let's get into cultists because cultists are ubiquitous part of the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. And we thought uh, it would be a good idea to really deep dive into the, to the cults, how they work, what they believe, uh, variations on the different cults. And, and if you want to make your own cult, how would you go about doing that? What are, what are some steps that you would take? What, what's the process? What are the things you need to think about? And that was really important to us uh, in writing the book. Yeah, uh, just to sort of add on to that, often in Call of Cthulhu, there is a some sort of you know cult involved and um, and also monsters and things like that. And um, and when you're kind of dealing with a monster, it, it, it um, you know there's various things that can happen in the game, but not normally you run away screaming or get eaten or, or whatever. Whereas when you're dealing with human cultists, the human side of the Cthulhu mythos, um, there's a lot more opportunity and, and possibility because you're dealing with other people, basically, however, you know, kind of however kind of twisted they are in their kind of corruption of the mythos. So they make quite interesting adversaries in that way. And, uh, and you can do a lot more than them uh, than just have the monster appear, if you see what I mean. So it does give that kind of a wider breadth of possibility in terms of constructing plots and the dynamics of interaction between, you know, the uh, the cultist characters and the uh, the player characters. Um, and as Chris said, you know, it's called Call of Cthulhu. And one of the things I'm, you know, very aware of um, over the years, actually Cthulhu and the kind of the broader kind of Cthulhu cult is something that hasn't actually appeared a great deal in many of the game publications. I mean, there's occasional, you know, Cthulhu occasionally pops up in a, you know, there's a couple, two or three kind of campaign kind of things. And, uh, but there's not really been an exploration of, you know, the human cult of Cthulhu. And that, and that seemed, as Chris said, you know, a great place to sort of start this kind of, uh, you know, look into this sort of uh, subject matter. Hmm. So in the book, there are five cults that uh, keepers can use uh, immediately uh, for their games. Um, what, as much as you can spoil, what, what can you tell us about these cults? Uh, well, there are, well, there's a few, there's a few different cults. There's the, there's a cult set in the, in the 1860s or 1890s in London. There's another cult set in California in the 1920s and another more modern cult. But there's also some cults that are built in the uh, as examples in the how to make your own cult section. So with that, there's three other cults that are, are developed as that. So you can take those cults and use those in your campaigns as well. And those, uh, we try to change them up, make them as different as possible to kind of show you what you can do with a cult and how different each cult can be, even though they still worship basically the same God, how different their interpretations of 
the, you know, the, the teachings, the words, the ideas, what m dream messages Cthulhu is sending them. They could be really different adversaries and you can have a whole game. You know, you can play for years just fighting Cthulhu cultists and never really touch a monster and be getting different stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's the um, three kind of very, you know, deeply written up cults that Chris mentioned in, in chapter two. And then the three that I use as examples, so that's six cults. And then there's two further ones in the chapter two that are fully detailed, which are, which come from Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft's writings. So you have the uh, esoteric order of Dagon, 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 Dagon uh, and all that, also the uh, Louisiana Swamp Cult. Well, both of those cults are mentioned in the Call of Cthulhu story, um, but obviously, as as many things in Lovecraft's original stories. Uh, they're not particularly fleshed out. They're, they're hinted out, and you have very, you know, very little detail to go on. Uh, so uh, it's kind of patching that together and filling in the details to kind of develop a broader picture of what those, you know, what those cults might actually look like in the period they're operating in. So, so all in all, that's um, eight cults, I think, isn't it? That, that have, yeah. you know, a, fair, a fair amount of detail to them, uh, alongside many others that are more briefly mentioned throughout the book. Uh, that, uh, you know, a, a keeper that wants to kind of, you know, do their own invention sort of stuff, you know, using some of the uh, guidelines and uh, advice, you know, within the book uh, can, you know, extrapolate those and decide, oh, yeah, I want to build this cult and I'll take this as the, you know, the basis and then build upwards from there. Hmm. So, um, Call of Cthulhu books tend to be incredibly research books. Um, so, in your research, for, for this book, were there anything that you come across that uh, either helped inspire you to write or maybe maybe uh, kind of disturbed you a little bit about uh, some of the things that history has revealed? Uh, yeah, usually the really disturbing stuff is the is the real stuff. Uh, there, there's been a lot of terrible people doing things to people that they think are terrible, but maybe aren't, you know, people that are accused of witchcraft people are that are, are have a different version of a religion i you know that's a lot in history that that people uh will do despicable things to one another even though they're really not that different but if it, the difference is slightly slightly different than my belief then that's reason to kill you and all your family so that stuff is a big part of human history and it, looking at cults and religion that stuff comes up I know it's not very fun to talk about, but it, that's always one of those disturbing things that when I'm reading history, I go, why are these, why do people like killing each other so much? It's crazy. And, and making a cult, you, you, it's, and this is a game. So we're trying to make it fun. Having that detached, you know, the people in these cults are really doing horrible things. So they, they really are bad guys, as opposed to somebody that has a slightly different religious view or or philosophy than that one person has um but yeah i don't that stuff is really terrible yeah i i, I can't really add much more to that other than to say <laughs> yeah it, you know human history is, is uh, full of uh, you know horribleness and um you know because it's dealing with humans and humans have the a wide capacity of you know ability in, in terms of emotionally and you know in terms of practically in terms of what they can do from you know the saint-like people to you know just very despicable types and uh, that's the the wonder of humanity in a sense and uh, and history just reflects humanity and so when we're dealing with humans in the game 
it obviously mirrors the reality and the game is based on a a version of reality you know whether it's set in the 1920s or modern day or you know dark ages or gaslight victorian um you know it's still dealing with humans and whatever time period they're in there are some humans who are dodgy and bad and and others are you know steadfast and good and uh um and so yeah so when you're kind of researching these kind of things there's always instances from history that you can draw upon or in or be inspired by in, in some part that uh you know isn't always a fun read in a sense and what you're trying to do is translate that into some form of gameable material that that um keeps within the 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 framework of what the game is meant to be and it's a game of horror and mystery so we are dealing with you know um uh you know bad things you know it's the nature of horror um but um it's understanding where you you know where the line is drawn and and providing appropriate advice you know within the book within this book and and others about uh, supporting not only the keeper running the game, but the players running the game and, and encouraging people to, to have those kind of discussions before games start to allow people to kind of set their own boundaries. Because, so, you know, all groups are very different and some, some groups are you know, going to be very mature and they're going to want to explore, you know, what you might consider kind of, you know, quite dark and gritty kind of material and, and um, you know, very, you know, quite strong material in that sense. Well, another group, may be very different and maybe not want to explore to that kind of level of depth and and some of the more kind of gritty aspects would be glossed over or they'll you know fade to black or or or, or you know ensure that certain material never enters the game because that's not what they want in in their game and so uh you know we have to kind of advise and support people in terms of ensuring that the game they're playing is fun and they feel comfortable and safe playing it you know there's no Otherwise, it doesn't become. It's not a game anymore. It's not a fun experience. Yeah. And the whole point yeah. is, it's a fun experience. So, um, when you're dealing with kind of you know uh, bad things, um, ensuring that there is appropriate kind of you know guidance and um, encouraging people to you know to discuss these things up front to you know so the group is all on the same page when they actually play the game. Uh, is you know is, a, is an important kind of aspect of this kind of style of game you know whether it's Call of Cthulhu or another you know horror game in that sense. Uh, one of the things that Mike said that I w- I'd like to touch upon is that the, he brought up the complexity of of human behavior and and the whole spectrum of it, and I, I think that's what makes these cults so appealing as antagonists is they are complex. They they have personal lives. There's reasons why they're in these cults. And these reasons are very human reasons and things that we can all relate to. Now, obviously, you know, joining a cult is not something most people would do, but it's important to understand why these people do the things that they do. And you can almost, you almost have some empathy for, for these motivations. And, uh, you know, there's a spectrum. Some people are homicidal maniacs and other people are just, you know, maybe making, you know, they misjudge the situation. They're in a group of, of people they think are are maybe on their side, and they're they're thankful for that, and they're not involved in the killing or the the stealing or doing the horrible things or summoning the gods. They're just maybe they're an, an admin person. There's this whole different. Uh, there's all these different levels in a cult, and uh, not everybody is somebody with a, a knife and a hood ready to st- stab you and take out your heart and serve it up to a god. And 
I think that stuff is really fascinating. And if you want to go in depth, I mean, that's what this book is all about, is to really look at these, these organizations. Hmm. And, and, it, and it comes at a good time, too. It seems like we're, we're back fascinated about them, especially with like movies like Midsommar. 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 I think I'm pronouncing it right. Um, yeah. Where movies like that are coming out and people are kind of exploring um, that, that version of folk horror. Um, but um, to get back to the, to the book. Um, so there's also new rules. Um, I, I, I read somewhere that there's a worksheet uh, involved for keepers to help keep track of things. Uh, could you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, there's well, there's a worksheet, kind of a, a process of designing a cult. So it, it goes into, you know, the things that you need to think about, the structure of the cult, who leads the cult, uh, coming up with a cult leader, what their motivations are. And it, it, this worksheet sort of helps you go through all those steps to flesh out your cult and your cultists and to think of, you know, the scale of your cult. If you, is it just maybe seven or eight people that work out of the basement of a church somewhere or is it hundreds of people in a worldwide organization uh, you know the all that can be figured out when you're doing your worksheet when you're going through this process and figuring out what your cult is what they do what are they after you know cults they some cult may want some kind of magical device some are looking for some sort of earthly gain maybe they're uh, looking for immortality, or at least maybe the cult leader is looking for immortality, and he's using the cultist to get to serve his own ends. Uh, again, all this story and all these characters are going to be developed by going through this worksheet, which kind of takes you through the steps. Yeah, there's kind of various kind of, as Chris has said, there's various stages to it, and there's ideas and questions that are posed for you to kind of consider. You know, as, you know, what's what do I want in this? in this case for the kind of plot I want to develop. Uh, and to support that, there are various kind of tables and choices to make and you can roll things randomly, but often, you know, we advise, you know, pick the ones that interest you or the ones that fit your kind of concept that you started with. And it just gives, helps to give a bit of definition. Um, and, um, and in terms of the actual, you know, who's running the cult, who's the cult leader, there's additional kind of material uh, around um, Lovecraft kind of talks about these kind of undying masters who are kind of hidden away and kind of who are the kind of puppet masters of the the, the grand kind of Cthulhu cult. Uh, and so uh, there's some um, material on these kind of undying masters, these deathless ones that uh, kind of talks about, you know, what they could be and offers different options and alternatives. Um, but again, provides some details about how you might design your own, who might be your kind of, you know, number one kind of villain in the campaign who doesn't get revealed to, you know, till much later in the campaign, realize that this, this is the one who's been pulling the strings. And there's some examples of those as well in the book that you can, you know, just plug and play into your campaign if you don't want to actually go through creating one yourself. So a lot of the material is about, you know, trying to support you to develop the kind of plot and mystery that you want to, you know, build uh, for your player group, basically, and it, it supports all of that. Hmm. Uh, and let's talk about the the three adventures. Um, I, I find it very fascinating that they take place in different time periods. Um, was was that uh, intentional? Was it is it meant to be linked together, um, uh, or are they meant to be standalones? Um, can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, the the three cults. Well, obviously, I. Uh, in playing Call of Cthulhu, the, the three main settings are either Gaslight, 
the 1920s and the modern day Cthulhu. You know, those those are the ones I played in mostly. So I felt like we needed to kind of show cults in those different eras. Uh, and there is a connection between them. You could play it as a campaign. You would have to play it with different characters because the time spans so wide, but they could be descendants from the characters. There, There is a link, uh, but that can be ignored. They can be played as standalone adventures if, if you prefer that way, or you could maybe even adapt uh, say the gaslight story for a modern setting if you if you wanted to uh, but they are firmly set in the periods that they uh, are written in but you know there's some flexibility with that and I I just think it was really important to not only show the different time periods and how these cults function but different sort of uh, stratas of of uh, social castes you know like wealthy people poor people artists uh corporations, businesses, you know, like tr try and show that cults can come in many different forms. And I, I think setting in those times, those time periods made it um, uh, more apparent, the differences that you can have in them. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 um, I think what's interesting about the three scenarios is um, to elaborate on what Chris said, they, 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 they show quite different versions of a Cthulhu cult they all you know they all worship Cthulhu in some way but often it across the years for very different reasons and in and in and in very different kind of ways practically you know the, there's one group that is very much about the magic and about kind of acquiring magical power there's another group that's a, that's a you know about um um trying to expand their consciousness effectively and and, and uh and uh, and then then there's you know one that's really just about good old somebody who wants who's got a big ego and wants to be you know godlike themselves you know they see this mm -hmm. as a route to becoming like Cthulhu um, and so they're very very different motivations and 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 the time periods you know kind of help to reflect that uh, in terms of the characters and so. They, while they're all dealing with the same subject matter, they will play quite differently in a sense uh, across the, you know, playing them all three. And um, and yeah, that you could easily slot, you know, if you wanted to slot one into your current campaign, say it's in the modern day or the 1920s, you could slot it in and do it as a kind of, you know, a one-off within your grander campaign. Equally, they could, they could if you wanted to start a new campaign, they could be the starting points and, and um, and because of the you know, nature of the cults, you say you you could deal with them all with the scenario, or you know there are loose ends that that can be you know drawn out, and um, they could be the starting block for a whole campaign of you kind of combating this cult that you've discovered basically in the you know the Victorian era or whatever. Um, so they're they're very versatile in that way, um, uh, but uh, but equally you know it, it would kind of be cool to play them all three. With a, a you know a different group of investigators from each one, and, and the players are the kind of the common link. And it's there, you know, while the player the characters won't necessarily know everything from the other scenarios, the players will, and they will find you know the the cool Easter egg links and things like that, which would be kind of cool as well. But yeah, there's a million ways you can you can you know the permutations for how you want to incorporate these and run these. So um, you know, we try and keep it as versatile as we can, I guess. Yeah. Is there anything more that the book has or offers that um, I didn't mention about. Yeah, uh, there's some. There's a cool history of Cthulhu cults, which is based off of 
mostly Lovecraft's work, but also a bunch of stuff that I have made up and I thought would be cool to kind of give you a, an idea of what Cthulhu cults might have looked like, uh, you know, over the last 3,000, 4,000 years. Uh, there's also some great new monsters, uh, some new spells. Um, anything else, Mike? What else? Yeah, there's, also, there? there's, there's, an, there's an appendix um, at the back, which... Um, one of the you know one of the kind of cool things about Call of Cthulhu games is the kind of the ancient you know forbidden tomes that you know the characters yeah. can find and get information on, uh, and uh, in in the appendix there's a there's a whole list of you know tomes and, and books, um, and um, there's a there's you know a little bit of advice about you know which ones might tell you more about Cthulhu or, or aspects of you know Cthulhu you know Dagon or, or, or whatever it may be, and um, they kind of go through and kind of give you a percentage value almost for every for every tome. Uh, so if it comes up in the game, you can work out actually this tome has got a lot of information about potentially about Cthulhu. And this one's not so much, and you can kind of use that to kind of decide how much you want to, you know, give over to the player characters. Um, so there's a bit of advice about that and and guidance around uh, using tomes and and the information the players can you know draw from those in game. Um, again, just to kind of um, be an additional kind of a bit of a help for a keeper who's in the middle of a game and needs a tome and which one would be a good one what well, I can quickly look and see this one could be good and throw it in or use it in terms of their planning for a scenario so that's a, that's a, another another piece there um, but you know mainly that you know that's all the kind of the the highlights but it's a, it's a pretty large book it's and and there's a lot of granularity in it there's a lot of detail uh, there's a lot of advice in terms of for keepers, in terms of running, you know, running with this kind of material and how to use it, uh, not only in game, but in terms of preparing, you know, preparing your plots and scenarios and things. So, um, you know, it's kind of uh, everything you want, you want to, you want to know about the Cthulhu cult and never thought you could ask It's this is, <laughs> this is the book for it. Okay. And of course it's all translatable, you know, although it's, Cthulhu, if you really into Hastor or Azathoth or Yogg-Sothoth and you really want to create a cult for one of those, obviously most material here is very adaptable. You can use the same processes, etc., with you know, changing out Cthulhu for you know whichever kind of great old one you desire. Um, so it's all very, you know, very practical in that way. Okay, um, uh, and just so I, um, my pop Cthulhu fans aren't. Upset. Is there any uh, difficulty in, in conversion between Call Cthulhu and Pop Cthulhu? No, in fact, um, uh, a lot of the kind of key NPCs in the book have have some you know alternative Pop Cthulhu stats there just to make life easy for everyone. Uh, and um, yeah, there's a, a you know there's you know it's completely usable with Pop Cthulhu, you know in that in that way. So um, yeah, there's no nothing hard to using it with pulp in that sense so it's, it's equally e equally usable so i have one more question and then we'll wrap up if i was using this book and i was the keeper and you were my investigators who would you play oh boy uh Let, let's say uh 1920s 1920s i my default is the the grizzled pi that's i just love playing the grizzled pi because not only do you have the brains and the chutzpah but you got guns i guess if, if chris is playing the uh you know 
the brains and, 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 and so on in terms of, you know, having a bit of street savvy. Uh, either, I guess, to complement that, I, I choose the kind of the, uh, the hapless librarian or professor who's got a bit of knowledge but isn't, isn't any at all any use practically, you know, can't fight. <laughs> can't fight anything, can't run, you know, it's more of a hindrance, you know, every time he tries to sneak somewhere, we'll make a lot of noise. Somebody like that, or maybe the, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the down at heel boxer who's, uh, you know, never, never really made it, you know, he, he, he had a, he had an attempt at the title, but, it, you know, it, it watered away and it melted away and uh, he never got anywhere and, you know, he's got a rough, rough and tough life and, uh, you know, but he's got a heart of gold. So, uh, you know, when he's, when he's told that, you know, him and this private eye are all that's stopping the world from exploding, then, you know, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll follow suit and uh, put his life on the line. There you go. That's what I'd, uh, I think that's what I'd do. <laughs> Excellent. And, and this is the PDF is coming out on Halloween. And then I guess the, the physical um, version will be out sometime after. Yeah, I mean, normally, normally in, a, in normal times, we'd say about three months after the PDF release, will the hard copy print release will follow. And in theory, that should hopefully be this case. But obviously, in the world we are now living in with shipping delays and, and all sorts, uh, it's a little harder to say. But certainly, you know, in the uh, hopefully sometime in quarter one, 2021 the you know the print uh, the print book will be uh, will be available and um you know suffice to say it will follow the same format as other chaosium releases if you do buy the the pdf of the book from chaosium.com then uh, the cost of the pdf is deducted from the print costs should you wish to then go and buy the print when it comes out that's a great deal mm. all right excellent well thank you both for taking the time to talk to us about your new book i'm very excited about it and uh, to our viewers out there, um, please be safe um, and uh, have a happy Halloween. Take care.